This is Chelsea. Welcome to Hugging and Learning, a podcast on which we watch very special episodes of television from the past and see what they have to teach us today. Today we are going to be watching our very first episode of Courage the Cowardly Dog. The episode is called Freaky Fred. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> it is episode... It's part two of episode four of season one. Right. Each Oof. episode of this show had two 15-minute segments. This is the second segment of, of this episode. episode. Four. So technically the eighth episode, will, that'll come up later, I, yeah. I promise. It aired December 3rd, 1999, just before the Y2K crisis. <laughs> and you can watch it on Amazon Prime Video. You can buy it for $1.99, and it includes the other half of that episode. Which is about a demon-possessed mattress. Yep. Uh, the writers on this are David Stephen Cohen and Bill Marsili. Mm-hmm. And so now it's time for a segment called You Wrote What? Oh, good. Segments. Yeah. Well, I mean, just this one. I might have other segments. David Stephen Cohen co-created and wrote on a show called Alf Tales. Alf and his friends from Melmac spoof and retell some classic stories, such as Robin Hood, Cinderella, The Legends of Sleepy Hollow, etc., in only the way that Alf could. What could go wrong? I've never seen this or heard of this before. But that's the end of that segment. Oh, my God. It's just, when you look up these writers, you find so much, like, random stuff right about god bless imdb for i mean just making I'm their name so clickable otherwise we wouldn't know about this we wouldn't know about the new kids on the block wouldn't cartoon. know about rich Carell and mm-hmm. his long and storied not his career at all <laughs> all right it is storied as well so david stephen cohen is the head writer and then mm-hmm. bill marsilli wrote this particular segment of the thing they are credited with an ampersand meaning they are a writing team right. on this episode but there are there are several names listed and they have them helpfully broken down by Segment. Yep. Um, so, oh, on the segment. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck all that, Chelsea. Uh, <laughs> let's eat a snack. Yeah. Miles found these Kellogg's Ego Thick and Fluffy Belgian-style waffles in Belgian the freezer style. section. Yeah. Uh, as the only person in this room who's been to Belgium, I will smugly be the judge of that. These I'll are... just judge you on every other the thing <laughs> right. that counts. Fair. These are double chocolatey flavor. Mm. Uh, with They also come in cinnamon, brown sugar, blueberry, and original. So I've just put these in the toaster uh-huh. oven. And what is this that you're pairing them with, Chelsea? Says so This is a Stonewall Kitchen salted caramel chocolate sauce just in case we need some sort of sauce on them. Sure. Or we're like worried we're about not them. getting diabetes. There are waffles, so you could do a la mode, I feel like. Even just maple Whip syrup cream. would probably be fine. Oh, gosh. We're going to yeah. judge them on their own merits first, though. Cool. Let's get to it. Man, these are good. I'm into it. I will say when I put them in the toaster, they smelled like 
hot Count Chocula. Funny you should say that because the, <laughs> the thing I love about them the most is they taste a bit like Count yeah, Chocula. It's that my favorite it, cereal. Yep, it's that sort of a uh, processed chocolate goodness. Yeah, it's like it's not real. But that's the best part. Exactly. It's also present in Cocoa Puffs pretty strongly. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So these are Cocoa Puffs flavored Belgian waffles. Mm-hmm. I have issues with the Belgian. I don't know what, what of this is supposed to be Belgian. Maybe because they're la. thick. They're thicker than regular Eggo waffles. And they're hexagons as opposed to sure. circles. Maybe that's the Belgian of it. I don't know. You know how they like angles. Yeah, exactly. Those Belgians. They are nuts for them. This is really good, though. I'm into it. Yeah, it's it's great. So we were talking earlier, Miles really fucked up the first time he picked out a snack. Yeah. Sorry. First time Miles picked out a snack was the Hershey Bake-Em-Ups. Donut bite things, which were terrible. Yeah. Hey, you know, I went through the same theory, which was chocolate and chocolate chocolate thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. And of the three of us, Miles is the most likely to pull a snack from the freezer section it's of an the interesting, store. He's an interesting person to have around for that reason. <laughs> he's a freezer rat. You know. Uh, it's like a gym rat, but different. <laughs> the opposite somehow. <laughs> Let's cool. talk about a goddamn episode of television. Let's do it. Andy, did you ever watch Courage the Cowardly Not Dog? Not ever. This is the first episode of Courage the Cowardly Dog I ever saw. Although, when I watched it, I did watch portions of the episode before this. The mm, the, mm-hmm. um, the haunted mattress haunted one. mattress which yeah. I was like oh okay cool I got kind of got the premise dog two owners it spoofed the Exorcist it's a kids cartoon with a bit of an edge to it mm-hmm. but I was feeling comfortable as I went into this episode which is, is how they got that. me yep um, I loved this show it ran on Cartoon Network for four seasons 1999 to 2002 52 episodes two segments each so mm-hmm. that's 104 segments yep. I remember distinctly watching this with my brother I don't know if my sister was into it but we really liked it it's like one of the things I read about it online said it's like Stephen King for kids oh um, so it's everything happens in the same place this place called Nowhere. Stephen King was Stephen King for kids for me. <laughs> right. So I feel like this might have like this smoothed over some of those rough right. edges. If um, only they had advertised it in that way. Right. The basic premise is that Courage is a dog. It's an animated show, we should say. It's an animated show about a dog named Courage who is cowardly, ironically. Yeah. Well, I mean, thanks and, again, series title for, you know, you did it. Right. Dog, cowardly, named Courage. And he has to... Every episode heroically defend his unwitting owners from all kinds of dangers and paranormal events and menaces that appear at their farm. They live at a, uh, on a farm at the edge of nowhere, which mm-hmm. is a town nearby. And he's got two owners, Muriel, who's like a lovely old lady who just loves him to death, and Eustace, who likes to tease and belittle him. He's a cranky old man. Which I got from this episode. Amongst other implications. Yeah. Fun fact, this episode appears as number six on the BuzzFeed listicle. 14 times Courage the Cowardly Dog left you deeply disturbed. I found this on a lot of lists that include the words went too far or (laughs) scarred a child. (laughs) And I didn't really need those lists to to imagine. This is tough. This is, I mean, look. On the scale from uh, from Family Ties to He Man Shira Christmas specials, it's not even on the same scale though. I don't think that we're well. I don't think it's we're like gonna get access. <laughs> well, we need like two more. Yeah. Okay, somewhere in the crossroads between Family Ties and okay. He Man, and completely sober and 
hopped up on goofballs. <laughs> I feel like this is going to be closer to goofballs and a little bit closer to He-Man Shiro uh-huh. without going all the way. Yeah, 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 and yeah. And see if you can figure out which episode we were hopped up on goofballs for. <laughs> right. So I think the answer will surprise you. This episode is like Dr. Seuss meets Edgar Allan Poe meets Sweeney Todd. Jesus Christ. That's fucking perfect. Yeah. Absolutely perfect. Where do you... Do we just do we just yeah. want to talk about the okay. plot? Yeah, it's a fifteen minute show, so they're really hoping the ordinary world, as simple as it is, is already in your mind. The show starts with the call to adventure. Absolutely. There is a bus headed for nowhere. And, and you know all- what? That call for adventure is coming from inside the house. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. It's so true. Okay. So, so yeah. on this bus we on meet bus. cousin Fred, mm-hmm. Dr. Seuss's version of Sweeney Todd. On his way to visit his Aunt Muriel, and he narrates on the bus to nowhere in rhyming couplets. He yeah. speaks in rhyming couplets, and he sets it up saying, Hello, new friend. My name is Fred. The words you hear are in my head. So now we know we are trapped in this guy's mind. Already it's a departure from the format of the show, because here's a character we've never seen before, and he's been given complete control of this episode. Yep. Whether we like it or not, we are in his mind. And here, spoiler we don't like it. We don't like it. His voice is creepy as fuck, and there's this tinkling music box music underneath it. Yeah, here's my first note. Yikes. Just yikes already, yikes. Fred uh, rhymes a monologue to us, a sure sign of a Dr. Seuss or murderer. There's no in between. Or both. Or both. (laughs) Murderous Dr. Seuss coming soon to CBS. So he is talking about how he's going to visit the farm how does he get into it? Because he's got a catchphrase, well, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> he's so, got a hell of a catchphrase. Since Courage is our hero in every episode and he has to deal with threats to the farm, mm. we already know that this guy is no good. Yeah. And, you know, we can tell. And that Courage will have to deal with him pretty much single-handedly because he never gets any help from anybody. Gotcha. So we're like, cool, cool, cool. Here's a super disturbed person headed for the farm. He's got a picture of Muriel, his aunt. In his hand. He looks fucking... Have we seen him yet? No. We, yeah. No, you see him in profile. Yeah. And then... He looks disturbing as fuck. And then at the very end of this little opening bit, he says, I say I said my name is Fred, and I've been very naughty. And then yeah. there's like a Cheshire cat grin. The dark... There's a, The bus is dark inside, and all you can see is like he's got way too many teeth. Mm-hmm. And he's this huge like Cheshire cat grin inside the darkness of the bus. Yeah. If that didn't freak you out, him saying that he's been very naughty, don't worry. He'll get you eventually. He'll say naughty 99 more times. Yeah. We have a bit of a meeting with the mentor, as okay. such as it is. Uh, we cut to the house, the farmhouse. Muriel is excitedly making up a bed. Yeah, she's, this is her a, nephew. Yeah, she's arriving. pumped for Fred's visit. But Eustace, her husband, is installing extra locks. And he says, that freak's not setting one freaky foot in this house. <laughs> He's just, yeah. He Does he tell us at that point? No, that's Yeah, later. no, he says to courage the guy's a barber and freaky things happen inside his barbershop. That's it, Fred is a freaky barber at a freaky barbershop where freaky things happen. Freaky barber things. Yep. It's not very useful information, Mm-mm. but it is information that courage needs. So I'm calling this tiny part a meeting with the mentor. Fucking God bless you for trying. <laughs> I mean, yeah. No. so It's we, a 15 minute long thing. <laughs> if that. Don't worry. We'll talk about it for two hours. Yeah, we, we, can, we can make a mountain out of this molehill. <laughs> um, so back to the bus. Fred has a tale to tell and reiterates the fact that he's been naughty. 
And then he arrives, and I wrote down here, man, already Fred is giving out more red flags than a Chinese flag shop on free USSR flag day. Wow. Thanks. <laughs> That's a lot. It's a mini, I had mini a lot layer of, joke. I really had to escape from this episode several times. Yeah. So flights of fancy like that were, were a nice respite. Sure. Whatever you need to do to get through it. Yep. Um, so now we're in the special world, and we cross the first threshold. Literally, Fred crosses the threshold yeah. into the home. This is a thing that always freaks me out. This convention, the call coming from inside the house thing, the <laughs> the thing about the antagonist, the threat, is now in your safe space, and yes. other people don't see him as a threat. Yeah, which is weird, because Eustace has talked about how he's a freaky guy, doesn't want him in the house, and talks and, and deals with him like with disdain. Right. He sits down, and he's like, freak. Yeah. Then does not act in a way that backs that up. It's no. just frustrating. It's frustrating. No, no, it's, not in a writerly cartoon, sense. No, but no, no. It's I frustrating. Mean, it's frustrating in a way that that when our character is in danger, we're like, but you, but you were going to be. You knew a, that this guy was yeah, bad news. Yeah. You're supposed to help. Yeah. This ties into the allegory of the episode so well. If you think back even on like family ties and Uncle Arthur and. Mm. Oh, this guy's in the house. My parents have invited him in. Yeah. You know? So now we're we're fully into the rising action of the show. Yep. We know immediately because we're inside his mind, remember yeah. Fred's mind, that he's particularly attracted to courage. He he's, loves dogs. He, he says likes, dogs make him feel naughty. Yeah, and he smells like a dog. And it's just it's fucking creepy. Yeah, and it's, courage has to sit next to him on the couch. And Courage immediately knows something awful yeah. is going to happen. He gets just these vibes off him. and Which is funny because when they're like, when Fred is about to come up to the house, we see a, a thought bubble from Courage imagining what kind of monster it's going to be. And right. he's like, the human fly, Frankenstein, a mime, the mummy. And this is worse than all of those things right. to right. him. Is he's even more frightened now that he's uh, with him. Yeah. And sitting down next to him on the couch, Courage notices a plastic medical bracelet on yes. Fred's wrist with a number on it to call... The home for freaky barbers. So he's like, cool, this guy has escaped from the home for freaky barbers. Mm -hmm. Okay, so <laughs> in this in this razor-thin plot, we have an important plot point dropped here. Eustace comes downstairs. He's on his way out to the hardware store because he has to fix the bathroom door, which if you close it, it locks itself and it can't be opened. Yes, that was the door he was putting more locks on. I think he thought... Oh, was it the bathroom door? I think it was, yes. That, I thought it was the front door. Because he comes downstairs and he doesn't realize Fred is there yet. And he's like, oh, I got to go get the rest of the stuff that to fix the sense. door. And then he's like, oh, well, Fred's already here. My well. And he and sits Muriel's down. And like, tell Fred, Fred's here. Sit down and say hello. And they stare at each other while a wasteland wind sound effect happens. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, again, Eustace knows what's up. Courage tries to call Muriel's, atten Muriel's attention to this medical bracelet, yep. but she just doesn't get it. Right. So then, helpfully, Muriel asks Courage to show Fred where the bathroom is. Yeah, which he does not want to does do. Does not want to do. And of course, ends up locked in the bathroom with Fred. So, yes. So he goes upstairs and then Muriel's like, oops, I forgot to send up some towels. Why don't you take these, Eustace? He goes up there. Courage is showing him where the bathroom is. Fred goes inside. And Eustace then, shoves the towels at the dog, which pushes him inside. The door slams and locks. Yep. Eustace is like, I can't open it. I have to go get hardware parts. And he yep. leaves. So Muriel and Eustace both know that those two guys are trapped in there, but they can't help. Even Eustace, who knows this might be a problem, can't help. But he, he laughs over this development, Yeah, because he's so mean. Yeah. Eustace is just so mean to Courage. He's like, hey, stuck in there with a the freak. Well, I guess I'm going to go get hardware parts now. Yep. 
So now we're approaching the inmost cave. Uh, I know it seems fast, but it's only a 15-minute long episode. Oh, don't worry. And It'll stick with you, people. Most of this happens inside the inmost cave. Absolutely. Literally an enclosed bathroom area. That's where um, we're going to be. And yeah. already Fred is smiling and sitting creepily on the toilet. On the toilet. And he says, Courage. Your hair reminds me of the first time I knew just how I felt about hair. And I wrote, no, 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 no to yeah, all of this. Yeah, yeah. No, no to all of this. You can just, if, if, you, if you're wondering, what were Chelsea and Andy thinking during this point? Just imagine a prolonged scream. Just a, a primal scream. Uh, also, I don't have children. I do have a dog. So I, I have you cats. can tell how I rank those two things. Yeah. And so a dog in danger is... Pretty much the worst thing I can possibly imagine. Cats are much better than dogs, so you understand how I felt about the whole thing. No, I don't, because that is a false statement. Uh, so Fred rips down the shower curtain and starts to turn the bathroom into his own makeshift freaky barbershop. Freaky barbershop. And he talks about the first time that he ever felt naughty. Yeah, so was... Fred is going to go through all three of his victim stories. I mean... For courage. At least three of his victims. I don't know if this is all of them or not. Right. He does make allusions to the fact that he felt naughty plenty of times. Plenty of times. God, it's so upsetting it's to so talk terrible. about this. So, uh, he talks about his hamster and how he got obsessed with his hamster's cute fur. And uh, the fuzz, the pink, fuzzy pink fuzz demanded Fred mm, be naughty. Mm, yeah. Fred is not even taking responsibility for his no, own actions. Not at all. And we finally find out what being naughty is to Fred, and that is shaving people who do not wish to be shaved. Yeah, so he pulls out a pair of electric clippers, and they begin to buzz. And he says, I filled with joy, I filled with size, and that's when I got naughty. And the next shot we see is of the little gerbil hamster completely shaved and looks pissed. Yeah. So now we know that this is going to happen to Courage if he doesn't find a way out of this. Exactly. So, all right. <sighs> so first he tries to hide in the toilet. But he's obviously found. Yeah, no. He also, by the way, when he's describing his first pet, this hamster, mm -hmm. he does say that the hamster's eyes are fetching. Yeah. Which really bummed yeah. me out. Muriel's also, the, the gerbil is pink and courage is pink. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, out in the hallway, Muriel is like, Eustace should be at the hardware store by now. But we cut to Eustace, who's sitting on the side of the road reading a newspaper. Yep. Just like taking his time. Muriel's knitting outside the bathroom door. Mm-hmm. Fred next tells us the story of his young love, Barbara. Yes. Uh, Barbara. Barber. Uh, oh. I think. I was too horrified to <laughs> yeah, pick right. up on anything. Who looks like a child. I looks mean, Looks like a very tiny child. Yeah, he doesn't say we were both young. All, all we see when we see these vignettes is like, for the first two at least... Like a portrait. Yeah. So we saw a portrait of the hamster before and after it was shaved. And now we see like a, a portrait like, of Barbara. A little bit like a big eyes portrait. Which yeah. Is like really... a very Edgar Allan Poe type yeah. Annabelle Lee yeah. thing. So she's got these long blonde braids, luxurious tresses. And he says that he got naughty and shaved them all off one night. And then we cut to Barbara looking furious. And he's like, I guess she needs some space after that. Yeah. And he's telling the story as he's beginning to shave courage. Yep. At this point, Muriel slides pancakes under the door. I was like, cool, at least he'll have pancakes. But then Fred starts shoving them into Force Courage's feeding mouth. feeding them yep. into Courage's mouth. And this then is, it's just all pure horror. It's all non-consensual. Yeah. And like, it's, you know, quote, only hair and it'll grow back. But it it's just so, it's so um, 
uh, dehumanizing. I mean, he's, sure. a, he's a dog. He's not a human. He does talk, but it's so sort of like you're not in control. No one can help you. You're trapped in this place. That's part of your home. Yeah. Now you'll never be able to go in, in there again. In the bathroom, which, you know, is a, a place. That's why like movies like Psycho and, and mm-hmm. horror movies, they take place in there. It's a, a place that Vulnerable. screams vulnerability. Mm-hmm. So he shoves a bunch of pancakes in his mouth, then shaves the pancakes that are stuffed out of his mouth. Yeah. And this... Courage is wailing and whining and trying to get out, and Muriel's listening at the door and going, that's okay. Yeah, sounds great in there. Yep. Courage knows his only option to get out of this is to dial the number on the plastic medical bracelet that yes. Fred is wearing, but his sleeve keeps slipping down over it. Fred's sleeve keeps slipping down over right. it. Right, he can't, see, he the can't see the number. He can't see the number. Courage does luckily have his flip phone with him in the bathroom, which is, I mean, we all take our phones into the bathroom. Yeah. It's perfectly plausible. For protection. Yep. Why does anybody else? Yep. Just in case. You never know. You never know what can I happen. I got this glorious beard. I can't lose it. No, no, no. I've it's seen Courage the Cowardly Dog. I, knows, I know what could happen. <laughs> then Fred launches into his third victim story. Where he's he has opened his own barbershop or works in a barbershop, seemingly in the Old West. And <laughs> right. it just seems like it. And a, a, a Yosemite Sam looking dude mm-hmm. with poofy hair that goes into his beard. He's just like a ball of hair on his yep. face. Beard um, down to his ankles. Beard down to his ankles. And he asks for a trim. But guess what? Fred feels naughty. Yeah. And shaves. Him. I mean, it's all like this is the first adult kind of person. Yeah. And still he asserts, I want a trim. And Fred completely disregards that and shapes also, him. very small in stature. Mm-hmm. And Fred does take time to note that he shaves his hair, his face, his, and armpits. his armpits, and his body. Yep. Everything. Everything. So, yeah. meanwhile, he sh- he's been shaving Courage, mm-hmm. and all that's left is the hair on Courage's tail, which Courage is holding on to, terrified. And now we get to the supreme ordeal. Yep. Courage is... Oh, you haven't thought that it was already the oh, supreme yeah, ordeal? Oh, yeah, no, this hasn't been all horrific enough for you yet. It's been, uh, it's been uh, you know... It's been a, a deluxe ordeal until now. I made that joke yeah. before. Also, at some point, we've cut to Fred, and he's at the beach. Before, Eustace? You know, Eustace, sorry. Oh, he's at the movies. He fell asleep at the movies. No, no, no. Before this, he's at the beach. Oh, really? I missed that. Between the, the reading the paper on the side of the road, he goes to the beach. That's right. And now Courage is finally able to rip Fred's bracelet off his wrist and dial the number for the home for Freaky Barbers. And meanwhile, Fred is saying, did you think I was going to shave your tail? That's That would be odd. That would be weird. Yes. Yeah. So Muriel's watching TV outside the door. Eustace is at the movies asleep. We cut to him. But... Mm. Luckily, the psych unit, the cops, show up, and they surround the house, and we hear someone say, cut the power. We don't want anybody getting shaved in there. <laughs> it's true. Too late. Yeah. Um, and then the police bust down the door and arrest Fred. Yeah. And Fred knows the jig is up when he hears the cops, and Courage still has his tail hair. and weird. Mm-hmm. He's like, I guess it's time to go. It's our adventure is ended. And then reward consequences. Fred is taken away in a straitjacket and a padded van. He refers to the psych wardens as my landlords. <laughs> and we get the Cheshire cat grin from the back of the padded van. And, I mean, Courage looks exhausted yeah. and just, like, spent. And Muriel's all, oh, this is such a lovely visit, wasn't it? And then because it is Courage the Cowardly Dog, we get a tiny thing at the end where it's like, oh, you thought this was over, but it's not quite right. Fred has shaved with love Fred onto Courage's butt. Yep. And he said, the last line is, he says, Fred says, from the back of the van, what's the harm if I was slightly naughty? Good Lord. So now we're all going to go take cold showers. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. come back and talk about what this episode, I call them why cry this showers. possibly aired 
on television for children. I'm stealing this from a, a comedian, but the kind of shower where like you you start crying and then you slump to the bottom of the shower, but then you have to get up and adjust the shower head so it hits you while you're on the floor. <laughs> and that's a bit indignified, but you really want the dramatic effect, so mm-hmm. you do it. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of shower. That's the end of the fucking that's thing. That's it. Um, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> that's really... This was deeply disturbing, and I am not easily deeply disturbed. So I don't... We've got to... Hey, Chelsea, uh, I feel like shit. Yeah, this is getting real bleak around here, and this is supposed to be a funny make up comedy podcast. Yeah, we didn't get into this to bother people. Or feel feelings. Or feel feelings. Let's uh, let's turn this over to Miles for a, a quick second. To, yeah, to, Miles, can you pump up some of know, those signature jams for us? Pump us, pump up the uh, the volume, as it were. I think that's good. I remember when, I remember, I remember when I lost my like did this episode do its job we have to figure out what this episode was trying to do right i will refer you to a cracked article yeah that says freaky fred is arguably the clearest analogy for sexual molestation that has ever appeared in a children's cartoon i mean and the feeling that it leaves you with is something that again you need to take a good cry shower after it's Mm -hmm. It's very disturbing from the narration to the ambiguity of what naughty is to mm-hmm. the fact that it's something like forcefully shaving somebody. The fact that the parental figures know what is going yes. on and are powerless or unwilling to help. Unwilling. Uh, certainly don't make any move to, to actually do anything constructive. And are never the wiser. Even, you know, like Eustace isn't there when, when Fred gets hauled away and Muriel clearly doesn't understand what has happened. Well, it's she's the, like, what a lovely visit. It's the worst parts of anybody who's in a position to help you but doesn't. It is somebody who is ignorant of the situation and somebody who knows what's wrong and chooses not to mm-hmm. help. So yeah. they're really hitting it from both ends of like, Courage feeling betrayed by his surroundings. The implications that Fred the barber represents a pedophile are not hard to spot. He admits his first shaving victims were a baby hamster and a young girl named Barbara who made him feel naughty. Again, like putting the blame on them. Yeah. And, and then, then he's he seems to be gracious when he's saying, like, they seemed upset. So I went ahead and I I gave them exactly. space. It's like 
but no. you took everything you could take from them. Yes. That's the thing is like they had no hair left, so they were not long, no longer useful to you. Yeah. So you moved on to a new victim. Yep. Uh, the cracked article, which is called Five Horrifying Ways Cartoons Tried to Cover Important Issues. If that the, was the initial name of this podcast. Yeah, right. If the goal of Courage as producers was to deeply terrify children in ways they couldn't even fully understand, this episode is a fucking home run. Mm-hmm. It's a slam dunk of horrifyingness. From the beginning, the victim is the only one who sees the danger and reacts appropriately. The grown-ups mm-hmm. are either oblivious or intentionally helping the freak. The result is a terrified, small, helpless main character trapped in a room with a grown-up who can't control his impulses. And he loses. Nobody yep. saves him. Nope. I'm, I'm... Until it's done. Until it's over. There is, speaking of Stephen King, uh, a quote that he uses so very often is, no one ever came because no one ever does. Yeah, it's real fucked up. That's not the thing that I want to like think about when I'm watching a cartoon. Unlike other very special episodes, the the, the takeaway is very unclear. Yeah. Um, again, to quote the I'm sorry to quote the cracked article again. I just thought it was like a really good breakdown of the thing. Yeah, it's fine. Here's the question: Is the episode intended to teach a lesson to abuse victims? That is, if the grown-ups don't take you seriously, call the police. If so, will kids even make that connection with the situation disguised within the whole wacky, crazy barber metaphor? And if that's not the intention, are they seriously just doing a goofy comedy riff in which the pop culture trend they're riffing on is child molestation? I, I don't think it's as, as cut and dry as those two choices, but I do think that we got to figure out where they were going. Certainly, when people in position of authority and care fail courage Mm -hmm. he calls the police i mean it doesn't save him but there are ramifications after the fact well the idea is that fred won't be able to hurt anyone else right and certainly won't come back for courage as well is it that or is it a writer's meditation on the idea of abuse and a way to to express the feelings inherent in that mm-hmm. in a cartoon, in which case it's just sort of an art piece uh, rather than, you know, something that's trying to teach a lesson. Because you're hard pressed to be like, this definitely gives kids all the ammo they need to stop molesters in their tracks. Right. We also didn't point out that like at the very end of the episode – Courage is completely shaved except for his tail. Mm-hmm. So he's naked, naked, basically. Yeah. And Fred is beckoning yes. him to come sit on my lap. Oh, that's right. Like that's, that is what, I mean, it is, it is, could be, it is like a scene that could not be shown in a live action television no. series with a child. It has no. to be a dog in a cartoon to get this dark. Yeah. My real question is like, is anyone who, any child who could be helped by the message, call the police, going to even be able to make this connection? It, it seems, here's, I think the, the difference between some of the other episodes that we have seen and will see about molestation and how to address that, what a child should do, how parents can help. What those episodes aren't doing is really talking about the confusion that children can feel when being abused. How so often a trusted adult doing something of such betrayal to a child can lead to, you don't have the words for it at that Mm -hmm. point as a child. So can you make the point that this episode is trying to say, look, you might not, it's fruitless to be like, Hey, somebody sexually assaults you. What if it's somebody who's doing something that makes you feel uncomfortable? Right. What should you do? What are you doing? Are you researching? Yeah, I was um, 
researching if there's been any sort of like, you know how when we did the Punky Brewster, there was a pinpoint, someone was like, and then a guy got saved by some kids. Yeah. And I can't find anything. I can't find any like. That says that any, this has become anything other than like a meme factory for the internet. For like sure. Everybody loves to do naughty memes. Yeah. Uh, with Fred. He, by the way, says the word naughty 14 times. And each time is chilling. Chills chilling. And uh, in the Japanese dub, apparently, now I'm just reading trivia, <laughs> the, the episode is titled Stop It, Fred. Wow. Yeah. They yeah. should have called this Stop It, Fred. <laughs> um, just in, in terms of the, the internet, which will tell you all the theoretical, like this is about child molestation, if you don't believe it or just feel it in your bones. I'm going to go ahead and say, uh, no reason, don't ever, ever, ever look up Freaky Fred fan fiction. No! Ever. Because I was trying to find, like, follow-ups to this story or somebody to, like, explain it, and I stumbled into a very dark, possibly Ukrainian part of the internet that was... Uh, this is horrifying. I did find a Quora question where someone asked if it's okay that they find Freaky Fred attractive, and I just back, backed right out of that. Yeah, you got to get away from that. Um, also, uh, fun to know that this is the first of Fred's two appearances on the no. show. He will be back in an episode called Ball of Revenge. It's season four, episode 11. Okay. Oh, fun. So when Muriel knits a blanket for Courage, Eustace is angered that Courage gets all the attention and vows to get rid of the dog once and for all, summoning six of his worst enemies. Oh, my God. Including Freaky, Freaky Fred. Fred to get rid of him. The villains gather in the basement with Eustace, who wears a black hooded cloak to devise a plan. What in the ever-loving fuck? Yep. This is the real irony of this sh- title of this show, is that Courage... His name is Courage, but he's cowardly, but he's really extremely brave yeah. because he deals with this shit every single episode. And usually someone's trying to hurt Muriel or Eustace. This is actually a bit of a deviation because normally he's not the direct victim yeah. and he has to save them. So every single two times an episode, he's got to save them from some usually paranormal or psychotic threat. Well, I will say this as far as positive children's messages go. Mm. You have so many cartoons like your G.I.'s Joe yep. and your He's Man. And your um, Fats Albert. <laughs> Fats Albert, which make the point of people being brave as a heroic trait. Yeah. And very few, certainly of the 80s and 90s, very few cartoons or children's shows will point out the fact that you can only be brave when you are afraid. Right. And that sometimes you don't get a parade or a clap on the back or yeah. everybody going, you're the best. Sometimes doing the right thing is as is, is difficult as not doing anything at all. Yeah. It's and more then, difficult than not doing anything at and all. And then sometimes people not might not even know that you had to do the right thing. Yeah. And you just had to do it. Chelsea... Let's let's try this two different ways. Chelsea, you are speaking to a, a third grade class and you want them to know about the dangers of potential adult abuse, molestation. Sure. Would you show them this cartoon? Maybe with a follow-up lecture. Yeah. <laughs> Not in isolation because I think that there of course there is the sort of like call the cops thing. Yeah. But I think it's so it's only 15 minutes long and it's, I think it's going to scare them without making them feel empowered. Right? I think so too. So that was the whole point of Punky Brewster is like yeah. empower kids, put them in, put her in all these insanely dangerous situations, but then show that without superpowers, without any sort of gimmick, she has the agency to deal with or like 
assert herself. Yeah. And I feel like this has all of the danger and none of the, and this is how you assert yourself. Yeah. And certainly you need to draw the comparison. Then you need to, first of all, you need to wait till the kids stop crying. And yeah. then you need to point out like. Feed them a snack. Probably. Yeah. You have to, you have to say if an adult ever does something that makes you uncomfortable in any way. Right. In which case, then why aren't you just showing them a regular episode Anything or else. just talking to them? Yeah. You're going to, you're going to have to like work your way out of freaky Fred in order to actually drive home a message. Have I told you about the woman in the handkerchief dress? I'm so sorry. What? <laughs> When I was a child, um, my parents sent the message to me very loud and clear. If anyone ever tried to touch me or anyone ever tried to like make me do something that I was not comfortable with, I should tell them immediately. Yes. So my mom had made me these two dresses, one blue and one pink. I remember them very vividly. My mom sews. And she had taken like a tank top, just a plain cotton tank top, and sewed handkerchiefs onto the bottom of it. And I was a little kid. It was probably like six or seven. Yeah. And so that was like a long enough to be a dress. And I loved these two dresses. It was just like, imagine a tank top with a bunch of handkerchiefs sewn to the bottom. I loved them. I wore them all the time. So I remember we went to a restaurant and I was allowed to go to the bathroom by myself for one of the first times in my life. Mm-hmm. And I was in the bathroom washing my hands and this woman came up to me and was like, oh, I love your dress. Can I see how it's made? And reached for my skirt and I ran screaming out of the bathroom straight through the entire restaurant straight to my parents screaming that this woman was trying to touch me in the bathroom. She red-faced trailing behind me apologizing, being like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I really just wanted to see how the dress was made, like apologizing to my mother. And um, But I remember that so vividly and my parents being like, well, I guess that lesson stuck uh-huh. yeah guess we, <laughs> did it. guess we did that right i don't think she was actually a pedophile I, it doesn't we, sound like it but yeah. fucking but knows. still like don't touch a kid yeah. that's not your kid leave a goddamn kid alone i grew up mostly on military bases and there was a certain inherent trust when you grew up on a military base because everybody's in the military and mm-hmm. everybody's accountable and everybody knows everybody and if anything ever happens and you're on a military base with one call you can close down the military base until you are found oh so the first time that I lived off a military base, I was in kindergarten, maybe first grade. I would walk to and from school. Sure, because that's in the 80s. We just let six-year-olds. Yeah, whatever. We've got plenty of kids <laughs> running around. We can lose a couple. Yeah, we'll call the herd. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember it was New Mexico, and it started raining, and it was one of those like hard desert rains. Mm-hmm. And I was stuck out in it, and I remember that a car pulled up, and somebody <gasps> no. was like, hey, get in. And I got right the fuck in. No. And they drove me somewhere. I think they drove me straight home. I just don't remember. Yeah, I don't feel great about that. But then when I told my parents, they were like... You were a little kid. What were you supposed to do? You know? It seemed... To my memory, it could have been one of my dad's friends. Like, there were were some people who lived up the street who I knew... uh, I played with their kid. Even so, that could be your Uncle Arthur. It very much could be. Look, I'm not... I was very wrong in this and then once I told my parents they were like oh shit we have to tell our kids about stranger danger yeah we had a like a code word if if someone came to pick you up from school they had to have the code word even if it was a person you knew and they didn't have the code word you were not allowed to go with them quick question do you right now feel hesitant to share what that code word is pancakes hamelina hamelina that's the name of our first hamster and my mom used that my mom used that exactly one time, and when she did, I was like, why are you talking about our hamster? I did not get the code part. I completely we, forgot. We never used that. I'm going to say this. As someone, and some of the research that I did uh, bears this out, 
some instances of abuse happened to me when I was a very young child. A lot of the problems that I had dealing with it was that my situation and the events that happened normalized it for me. Mm. So I didn't think there was anything wrong, even though it felt bad. Mm-hmm. And a lot of mm-hmm. people who are abused as children grow up not with like repressing that and not understanding that it was bad or thinking that they were overreacting or whatever. So the one thing that I'm going to say as far as the merits of this episode is anytime you can get abstract with the feelings Uh, Mm -hmm. around abuse and with the circumstances and sort of the difficulty in discussing it, I think that that's beneficial in a way that it can be inclusive for people who don't, who, who have like internalized it completely. Kids are also so literal. I have a friend who was sexually abused as a child who has, and I'm not outing her, I'm not going to say her name, but she's written about this and spoken about it extensively. This was person was her stepfather, mm. and she grew up in a religion that was very much like the father is the head of the household, anything that he says goes. And so she thought what was happening couldn't be abuse Yeah, when she heard it described as people jumping out of the bushes or a friend or yes. whatever. She was like, well, that can't be what's happening to me because he's my stepdad and um, anything he wants to do is okay. Yeah. So it took her a long – she like – Never reported it as a child. It took her until she got to college to realize that, oh, that what, you know, like, which sounds kind of like, how can you not realize that's happening to you? But I think kids are so literal that you describe it one way or two ways. And if it's not exactly that, then they're like, okay, well, that's not, that's not what's happening to me. I did somebody who was a, a social caseworker and that was a huge challenge for her was you talk to children, they have their own specific language and they make up phrases for to describe things they don't understand. The amount of time and patience you have to take with a child whose language may not match up with the actual circumstances mm. in a way that you can understand, mm-hmm. you have to walk them through it and walk them through it again and like really help them understand what's literal and what's dangerous and what's not. Yeah. So then maybe this episode does more work than we're giving it credit for. I think it's the context in which it's presented. 2019 context, no, I don't think you show this to kids in order to help them. I think it's helpful for people who may not have standard feelings about molestation that other sitcoms describe. Somebody has made you feel uncomfortable Sure, but what if I don't understand what that discomfort's supposed to be? And it seems like the message is people can make you do things you don't want to do, and that's bad. And then we should take it just a a step further, which is you should tell someone because it's not okay, and they they should not do that to you anymore. Absolutely. And it does, it's helpful, but problematic. The most horrifying aspect of this is is owners... I mean, you know, dare I say what the most disturbing aspect of this thing is. One of the disturbing aspects, uh, his owner's not believing him. Yeah. That's a big deal. It's a huge thing. And the word naughty is so sexual. You know, like especially said the way he says it. There's no other interpretation for what it means. It's gross. It's so gross. So there's something in there, but it's just, it's just, it's just freaky. Yeah. It's just freaky Fred. Um, <laughs> this is such a downer episode. I'm, yeah, sorry, uh, folks. <laughs> I loved this show. It's so weird. I loved it, though, because it was it's, so sort of like obviously for older kids. Yeah. And- hey, guys, we got more waffles. Yeah. yeah. I'm not hungry anymore.
No. Hey, you know what we also have? A real live not shaved dog that Yay. wants to hang out. Yeah, let's yeah, hang out with our dog. So fuck you guys. We're going to go hang out with the dog. <laughs> uh, real quick, what did, what did you learn, Chelsea? What did I learn? Oh, I learned what Sweeney Todd would look like as written by Dr. Seuss. Yeah, I learned that... <laughs> That if you're in charge of a children's show, mm-hmm. you might want to think about things when you make your eighth episode of the series this one. <laughs> right. Like, right. if you're not in counseling when you write this, maybe it's counseling. Wow, what a bold move for episode eight. It's almost like it's a cartoon written by people who just don't really like kids. Is Do you think that it's it? I've never seen it in other episodes. Is uh-huh. that... I don't know. I loved it as a kid, so maybe that's not correct. Also, I just Googled Freaky Fred memes, which is a fun thing to Google, mm-hmm. and uh, there are several pictures of him next to Gary Busey, which feels um, oh. pretty spot on. There you go. I learned that Gary Busey could star in the reboot of the Freaky Fred series. <laughs> uh, who did you want to hug? Of course, Courage. Courage. Of course. I think it counts because he's not just the pet in this one, but the protagonist. So yeah. I feel like he's up. He's on the table for hugging. Yeah. Sure. He's on the hug table. Yep. He's on the hug table, but he is off the learn shelf. <laughs> Yay! If you want to interact with us, of course, we've got all the usual places. we got Facebook. we got Instagram. we got huggingandlearning.com. Mm. And we have a less expected place. We have a physical post office box where you can mail us snacks. Yeah. And by the way, we've been falling down on the job on this one. We are still in the reign of the Josh Miller Memorial yeah. Snack Time Hour. And folks, he's getting real full of himself about it. Oh, my God. He's like, you we know. we got to get a new snack time we person do. in here. I, could it be you? <laughs> yeah. So the the website, uh, huggingandlearning.com, has our post office address on it. It is post office box 29187. For Los Angeles, California, 90029. And uh, we check it, you know, on the daily. So send us snacks. Next week, <laughs> come tune back in when we have wacky misadventures and it's a little bit more cut and dry. Yeah, in our old hometown of Chicago, we're doing uh, Perfect Strangers. Chelsea and I will be standing tall on the wings of our dreams. <laughs> Season 3, Episode 3, Sexual Harassment in Chicago. So, rain and thunder, wind and haze, I'm bound for better days next week when we watch Perfect Strangers help send help people (laughs) and bring snacks yay Yay, bye. bye Thank you for listening to Hugging and Learning. If you want to visit us online, our website is huggingandlearning.com, where you can find links to all the articles we talked about today, as well as our post office box, where you can mail us snacks. Subscribe to our podcast, rate and review, and tell your friends about us. If you want to drop us a line, you can email us at huggingandlearningpodcast at gmail.com. You can tell us about the experiences you've had with things we talked about. Or you can send us suggestions on which episodes we should do next. Our podcast is produced by Miles Pulaski, who also wrote our theme music. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chelsea. See you next time. Bring snacks!